Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey, everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm so excited today because I have Mary Monahan, and we're going to talk about uncomfortable conversations. And I think that they're necessary. I think they're really hard. You know, if I had had maybe more uncomfortable conversations in my marriage, maybe I'd still have my marriage. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But, you know, both of us, Mary and I have had some pretty significant life experiences with cancer, with death of a very close family member. And it just brings up a whole lot of things that our American culture really doesn't talk about. You know, we want you to get over your grief fast. We want you to get back to work, back to everything, you know, lose your limb, go back to work tomorrow. Um, you know, I had a premature baby and they were sending contracts for me to sign to the labor and delivery room hospital. You know, like I'm in the hospital bed, I delivered a preemie and they're like, yeah, well, these contracts really need to be signed. So they sent them to the medical center. The nurses station are like, um, <laughs> there's somebody here to, for you to sign these papers. Like you just had a baby and you just had all this trauma. You just had surgery. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll sign them. I'll sign them because I didn't say no, you know? And I think part of having the uncomfortable conversation is either saying no or saying yes to the uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, I thank you so much for joining. Uh, this is a great opportunity, and I do very grateful and appreciative of it. Um, but I agree, um, these uncomfortable conversations um, tend to, um, you know, are, are challenging for people. Um, recently, our, our current president, Biden, um, addressed the nation um, with, you know, the large number of um, historic landmark losses for COVID. And um, he is no stranger to loss, uh, losing his wife and his son. Um, And uh, he spoke very empathetically and sympathetically to all of the losses um, that we're experiencing and our inability to be able to grieve properly. um, And that is very, very challenging um, when our rituals have kind of been altered um, due to the um, pandemic. Right, right. I mean, you think of like, like I look at, um, I come from the convergence of two great religions. I have Ju- Judaism and, and Christianity coming together with me and my children. So, you know, we've kind of kind of got double the fun, double the grief, double the shame, double the, you know, like double the everything. But one of the things, like when my mom passed away, um, we were able to have a full funeral. We were able to have, um, all family members there. And that's a whole different conversation, you know, that we want to interject in here is, you know, you have not only cultural decisions of how to grieve, you know, do you cover the mirrors? Do you not cover the mirrors? Do you have the body laid out? Do you not have the body laid out? Do you have the conversation with, in my case, my mom was terminal. So we had lots of things. She's like, nobody take a picture of me after I'm dead. This is what I want to be buried in. I don't want an open casket. And, you know, that actually created some really funny moments during my mom's funeral. My mom had a great sense of humor and my little niece and nephew were knocking on the the casket. You know, my mom was in there and they were like, you know, they come up and they're like, aunt Sam, um, where's grandma? And I'm like, well, grandma's body's in the box, but her soul's in heaven. That's our belief system. And so they were like, grandma, can you hear us? 
Grandma, we're here. <laughs> I'm literally knocking on the casket. Um, you know, and that was okay. That was fine. That was, you know, is it uncomfortable? At first it was uncomfortable. Then I'm like, oh my God, they love grandma. They love like, you know, the body's dead, but the love is still there. And I think these conversations are really necessary because if you don't have them and you don't talk about these things, when you experience a funeral, when you experience profound grief of a, of a brother or a sister or a, a, a really close parent or even a pet, that there's all sorts of whacked out things that happen. And if we talk about it, it's not so scary. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing that you were able to have those courageous conversations with your mother because so many families don't have the opportunity or don't take the opportunity because of their cultural beliefs or their relationships. Um, And it is important. Um, Children, you know, into your experience are watching and they don't know the process. Um, their your emotional health um, obviously is pushed to the brink when you when you have grief, um, and you you're you're mirroring what what you'd like your your family members and your children, especially young ones that have never gone through the process. And you spoke you know uh, about taking photos. Um, my my youngest was seven, and he was at the age where he had something and flipped it up on Instagram and. My friend's like, uh, you got to get that down. I'm like, oh, my God. But he never, never had a moment where he wasn't using his camera or wasn't gramming something. So this was just another day in his life. Mary, I'm just going to take this moment to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Talkspace. And boy, is our sponsor right in alignment with what we're talking about today, which is when you're grieving, how do you explain it or help your young children know what's going on? And, you know, Mary, when you're at a low point, you might feel alone, even in a household full of kids and spouses and family members, you still can feel very alone. And did you know that over 50% of Americans struggle with their mental health. And when I buried my mom, I was okay, actually, up until the point that I buried my mom. When I buried my mom, I had a really, really dark period. And my kids were small. They were like five and seven years old. And I, I didn't have the words to explain to them what was going on that, you know, mommy's crying and it's just because grandma's gone. And they didn't even understand, you know, death at the time. So it was really hard. And I was so glad that I reached out for my therapist. And we all need help sometimes. And asking for support when you really need it is a terrific sign of strength. And what I love about Talkspace is that it's so easy to match yourself with thousands of licensed therapists that are available at the ready to talk to you at any point. And you can send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. You can schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. And they offer individual and couples therapy in addition to a medication prescription service. So if you think you might need that, you can also set goals with your therapist and they can help make sure you're really progressing. I know that she helped me see that every day that I, you know, was able to handle my kids and handle my divorce because it was all going on at the same time and grieve um, that there were benchmarks that I could see that I was getting better. And that was really important for me to know that I was progressing. And Talkspace therapists help you develop tools to cope in these difficult times. And I was able to share those tools with my sister and brother and with my kids. And that was super helpful. So if you are struggling, if you're struggling with your weight, if you're struggling with your relationships, if you're struggling with, you know, any of the loss that you had over the last couple years, especially, you know, with what's going on with the pandemic, please, please, please reach out. You can start feeling better with a single message. So to match with a licensed therapist, go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code Motherhood Talk. That's $100 off when you use the code Motherhood Talk at Talkspace.com. Girls, life is tough. Raising kids is hard. Staying married is hard. Elder care issues are hard. All that stuff is difficult. So please reach out. Start feeling better today with that single message. 
over to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code Motherhood Talk. You'll be glad you did. Now, we were talking um, with Mary Monahan about uh, her son, you know, taking a picture, taking a photo and posting it on Instagram after a family member died and, you know, how she didn't know how to handle that. I mean, who would? You know, he's like, but how am I going to remember her? Right. And that was his response. And, you know, honestly, I was like, all right, maybe, maybe we, maybe we should just let him keep the photo. Or and we think these things, you know, yeah. like when my mom's funeral happened and we went to the interment and, you know, my brothers and sisters, like, just will never let me live this down. I went up to give a eulogy for my mom and it was a, an urn grave. Like it wasn't a great big casket grave. So it was just a little urn grave. And they put a table with a tablecloth over it and they put my mom's ashes on top. And then they put a little green carpet behind and they're like, Oh, Hollywood sand had to walk across the carpet. Well, I thought you were supposed to walk on the carpet because in Hollywood, what do you do? You walk on the carpet. Well, I walked on the carpet carpet right down the hole. (laughs) I had to grab the table. And what does my brother do? He takes a picture of it and he puts it on Facebook. Ma, you know, sand fell into mom's grave ha 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 (laughs) you know at first I was horrified but then I'm like so what like I did it was it was funny and it took the sting out of a really hard day and I will text you after the podcast Mary you get to see it because I'm there holding on to the table um and I know my mom would have laughed. Like she would have laughed right out loud because my mom loved to laugh. She had a wonderful spirit. But one of the things that I learned, you know, when somebody's dying for five years, you know, that's a long time. Um, you start to get desensitized to certain things. Like there were times when my mom, and I don't know if you had this with your brother, but I would sit with her and she would be breathing and then she would, she would go so silent. And like, and then she would wake up like a couple hours later and I would be like, mom, where did you go? Because she wasn't in her body. Like she wasn't like, you know, the body was there and it was breathing, but I couldn't feel my mom. And it was different than when a kid was sleeping. Like I sat with my children all the time when they were sleeping. So, you know, I think if you participate in the dying process, it's horrible, it's awful, but it's also kind of kind of mystical, magical, beautiful. Like it's just, it's just an experience like no other. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, my experience is different, but I almost thought of your cemetery moment as like, almost like you're, you're holding on for dear life. Uh, and it, it metaphorically was like, you know, a metaphor in the picture of, oh, like, you know, I, I, I have to hold on because I'm, you know, I'm fall, I'm falling too. Um, which I, I think is, um, you know, not necessarily funny, but very apropos of the moment, uh, that you were in. Um, but, and I also agree, you know, um, well, my, my brother's journey was very unique. Um, well, he was diagnosed and was terminal. Unfortunately, there was, you know, this very unique event that happened. Um, he had a seizure and was, you know, uh, kind of in limbo, um, for, for three days. Um, and, you know, we, we all sat with him at different times. And I always say, especially, you know, when you have those moments where you feel like they're not really there, um, that you, you kind of connect with them on a more spiritual basis Yes, and you, you kind of just, you know, you, you're, you're, you're wondering where their next journey is. And I, I always have this kind of, um, unique perspective where I say, you know, we're very sad that, often when people leave us um yeah. and, but you know I always say you know well if no one goes before us there's no one there to greet us right so when it's my turn there'll be these people that I do love and loved here um you know and they'll be there and I, I always my, my my brother had a very you know funny sense of humor uh too and laughter and always unique stuff SNL you know type of you know antics yeah. And um, I always say, you know, he's going to he's going to be like, well, what the heck take you so long? What are you living in 99? It's been great here for the past, you know, 40 years. He's going to be like at the top of the escalator, like, let's go, lady. You thought it was so great there on Earth. Where the hell, wherever the hell I am, it's been awesome. Um, You know, and I think um, it's that fear that drives us that we we and so much speculation of what is beyond 
our realm here. Um, but I, I, I truly believe I come from a Christian background, but I, I believe that, you know, we, we shouldn't be fearful. Um, while this is whatever, this is amazing here. I, I think there's, there's a lot more to, um, what's, what's, what's to come. Well, right. The promise of the Bible says the best is yet to come. So, you know, I hold on to that, but one of the things that I found, you know, and how long has it been since your brother passed? Um, it's going on, uh, uh, four years. Okay. So you're over the, the, like, just like, I'm just going to call it what it is a shit show. Like I was just <laughs> a complete disaster. I couldn't yes. focus. I couldn't sit in church and not cry. I couldn't drive on the freeway and not cry. I couldn't go in the grocery store. I'm like, Oh, he ate a lot of crying. His life, you know, like literally I was crying all over. And I had this thing called the trail of tears because I am a crier. Like you can see it even now, just talking about it brings up that emotion. I'm a big crier. And even my kids call it Friday, cry day by the end of the week. I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm like, it's Friday, cry day. Mom, going to cry. She's going to start thinking about her mother, thinking about whatever, start to cry. Okay. But I had this trail of tears, my own trail of tears. I found this park that I could walk in and it was perfectly safe and it was in a square and I wouldn't get hit by a car, which is why I didn't, you know, when you're crying on the street, you get hit by a car, like not a good look. Um, but I went to the park every day and I could tell you without clockwork, like just without even anything, Mary, I'd get out of my car, park it in a certain space. I would walk around this corner about a quarter of a mile into my walk. And there's nothing remarkable there. There's just trees trees all over like there's no great thing that process of walking would unlock something in me and the tears would fall and I would I could walk around about two loops and the crying was done and sometimes I'm blubbering crying sometimes I'm like <laughs> you know where you can't even breathe the release crying. of it it's the release because if you hold it in it'll show up in the fruit department, you know, because there's no bananas, you know, and you're like, just fall apart because the bananas are out, you know, and I think if we were taught some of this stuff that we're talking about, you know, like my mom was super cool in some ways, because she sat with her mother when her mother died. And she said, look, death is nothing to be afraid of. She's like, it's very, you know, she's like, you're going to be really sad because you're not going to understand it and you're going to miss me. But my mom was also of the ilk where she's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'm just in the next room and you're going to be able to feel me. You're going to be able to talk to me because she did, you know, that was her practice after her mother died. And we, we were little, she reminded me of, we used to go have a picnic on my grandma's grave and my mom would bring her children because she's like, she wanted her mother to know us and you know whether you want to look at it and go you know her belief is not scientifically proven who cares you know what mary it made her feel better it made all of us feel closer to my grandma rose that we didn't know and it was a part of life there was an acceptance and i really think that helped me during the really tough moments, because I, I still hold on to, you know what, Sam, I'm just in the next room. So I'm like, if I'm having a bad day, I'll start talking to my mom or I'll write to my mom in my journal. And then I feel her. And that's where I'm like, I don't know what it is. You know, we're not NDE experts. We're not scientists. We're not anything other than people who have experienced the traumatic loss of someone we loved very dearly. And the one thing that remains, which again, the Bible teaches us is the love remains. Like if you think about yeah. your brother and you talk about him once the like shit show of the grief has passed, all of a sudden you can think of that person and it's almost like they're sitting next to you. Yeah, I, you know, I completely agree, but I, you know, agree, you know, grief in the beginning is so unbearable. Um, you know, we, you know, you know, some, some people are so uncomfortable talking about grief or don't attend funerals or ceremonies or because they're like so uncomfortable. I'm like, well, imagine how the heck we feel like I'm, you know, when, and, and I, I usually normally will attend services or funerals um, only because I've been in that spot right. and I know how challenging it is. And I'll check up on somebody months later because that's when, when all the rituals are done it's challenging to, to get on with your regular life and you it's are quiet. standing, it's quiet and no one like, well, you're, oh, she's, she, she seems to be smiling about something. She's okay. 
you know, like she, she's, she's over it. And, you know, meanwhile, you are having a breakdown in the produce aisle because there's no bananas because holy cow, it, that bananas was his favorite fruit. And, you know, <laughs> right. it, it, it didn't even matter if he ate one once a day. Right. Um, you know, you get so consumed with details. Um, you know, we don't move, you know, we don't get over grief, no matter what loss that is, loss of a job, a pet, a child, a parent, a sibling, whoever, um, you know, we, we, we move around it or well, you learn to live with it. Like that's right. what, what I've found is that you learn to live with the loss. You learn to live, you know, I've been through a foreclosure. I've lost a, a parent. I've lost beloved dogs. I've lost friends. You know, you don't get over it. There is no real getting over it, but the heat of it, if you feel it, you know, Judy Brizantine wrote a great book on grief and I love her. And she, she sent me her book when I was grieving and sent me a journal and, um, she called it stunned by grief or blinded by grief. Cause that's just how you feel. It's like yeah, you're just stunned and knowing like a few things about grief that you like your memory's not going to work so great. You're going to lose your keys. You're going to lose your purse. You're going to forget where you're driving. Like all of these like confusion, grief, they're normal parts of grief. The other thing is the identity. You know, when you lose a spouse, are you still a wife? Like Janet, my friend, Janet, I, she, she has childhood cancer talk radio and she lost her son, Jack at three years old. The same time I love lost my mom and we were grief buddies. And, you know, how do you answer the question of how many children do you have? Like how many siblings do you have, Mary? Like just because I, I, somebody dies doesn't yeah. mean you don't have that sibling anymore. Absolutely. I have two siblings. One is here with me and one is in heaven. It doesn't change the number. And, you know, I think there's those, you know, those moments when you are questioned or, you know, you have to write down something or you have to, you know, fill out the tax, you know, form that says I'm a widow you know, or you know, like it's, there's moments that are so, you know, ch so challenging. Um, you, 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 you're so you question everything grief absorbs every absorbs into every ounce of you everything you do every phone message every every shower you take everything you do because you open up a cabinet and it's oh okay this was why is this still here you know like you know like cleaning out clothes and, and homes you know dismantling our parents lives like there's all these things that, you know, and, and there are a lot of good memories that come there, but a lot of surprises and shocks and things that you didn't know about somebody when you have to let them go in here in the physical realm, right. um, you know, and that's challenging too. We, we look to honor our people, you know, I, we, my family lost my dad when um, 25 years earlier than my brother. And, um, you know, there, there's challenges in my family when we were growing up, you know, he had a major accident um, and, you know, was a, a happy Irish guy most of the time. But, you know, with an Irish family comes a lot of imbibing and there were a lot of challenges <laughs> um, some days when things did not go well. Um, and that's OK. But, you know, often you know, we try when people pass to idolize them like he was the greatest dad ever. He definitely was, but he definitely had moments that it wasn't the best ever. Um, and, you know, I try to be, you know, you know, remember that he, he, he we, are, we are here as humans, you know, no, there's no idols. Um, we, we, we need to, you know, realize that our, you know, our parents did our best and our, my brother did his best. And that is one of the reasons why we take the things we want to honor about people. And those are the things that we, you know, we move forward with. Um, and that was what we did with my brother. Um, he was a regular guy and, you know, we, we find the regular guy people in the world and try to emulate those things through kindness, integrity. Um, and we find those things out in the world now and try to help um, remember his spirit. That's how we, we honor him. Well, and love him. Like, that's the thing. Like, of all else, I think one of the things that I had the biggest misconception about with, you know, with death was that somehow, like, the love isn't there anymore. And that was the one thing, you know, like the whole most painful thing, like when I think about a breakup, like, you know, a breakup is like, oh my gosh, you're not together anymore. And, you know, and it's so painful because you love this person. And I'm like, well, 
but you can still love the person and not be married to them. Like I learned that, you know, in a marriage, you, you know, I have a divorce and doesn't mean that I didn't love my husband. Doesn't mean that there's not still, you know, love there, you know, does he want to be married and have a whole life with someone else? Sure. You know, and then when my mom died, I'm like, the love doesn't end. The love doesn't die. And when you cultivate the love, not the grief, that's when the healing really begins because I kind of got stuck in like grief mode and I could not get myself out of it because my thinking was like, oh my God, I'm a single parent. I'm soul supporting. My kids are small. I don't know how to raise these kids. My mother's dead. Now I have to take care of my father. And I went from having a, a, a helpmate to another person in my household. Like, And I would spiral down and down and down and down and down. And that was the broken record. That was the story that I told myself every day. And then one of my friends recommended this book, um, Julia Cameron's book, um, I don't know, it was some book with a, with a like writing job with it. You know, you like, it came with a journal. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll do this. And I started writing. And then I realized like I could write to my mom every day and I would write to my mom about this is the problem I'm having with dad, or this is the problem. This is what my kids are doing. And then I would hear my mom say, well, this will pass. This is just normal kids. And I'm like thinking, Like, is this my brain telling me, am I making stuff up? Is she really coming through? And then I was in my closet one day getting ready for a date. Now, two years after I'm divorced, two years after my mom died, I'm ready to come out in the world and play a little bit. So I agree to this date with someone I knew for 25 years, hardly like, you know, some, and I'm standing in my closet and I'm like, everything I looked at, Marion, I'm sure you can, every woman can recognize this. Everything makes me look fat. Everything makes me look terrible. (laughs) You know, in my, in my closet, you know, with a whole pile of perfectly fine outfits and, you know, looking at myself in the mirror, my face is all swollen from crying. And I hear my mom go now stop that wash your face, pull your hair back, wear a simple turtleneck, a pair of jeans, a pair of black boots, and you'll be fine. Just go and have a good time. And I'm like, is she in between the scars? (laughs) Like, you know, you know, what, what is that? And it sounded so much like my mother and my, my mother wasn't there for me for every breakup, everything. And, you know, it just sounded so much like her. And that gave me such great peace. Like, have you, has your brother just popped in and just said like, knock it off, Mary, or like, (laughs) Mary, you're doing a good job or like, ha ha, Mary, I saw that. Like (laughs) in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, you know, he's more in my head than ever. Um, in a lot of days, um, you know, we had a, a very unique, um, uh, experience. Um, when he was first diagnosed, he had surgery and, um, we are, you know, Catholic family and somehow, some way when I was there, um, the pastoral team was like, the Holy spirit's here. You're, you're connected to the Holy spirit somehow, some way. And he was just like, all right, throw the Holy water on me, get up, move it along. I'm okay. And like, all right, I'm going to, I can't heal if I have 80 people in my room saying the Holy spirit's here. Um, <laughs> so that was like one of the, the you know jokes all along was like up oh, mary's here that she's going to bring a whole tribe of spirits with her yeah um and uh you know it was it was very unique um and when he passed um his spirit came through me as an ocean wave and that was very prolific moment when he passed because that really embodied who he was he was a fisherman he was a surf caster he you know surfed and he he really was and that um yeah, I spent like you spent a lot of time at the park. I spent a lot of time at the ocean, um, and it's a very strong metaphor for me and my brother. Just, um, just you know, be like the ocean. Like there's very little you can control, um, and it's really the ebb and flow of life. And um, every once in a while, I'll get that ocean feel, like I've been on a boat, and yeah. I just know that's him saying, "Whatever you're doing, just know that you have very little control over it." Right, um, or that I'm and- still with you. 
you know, like, yeah, absolutely. I'm with. Like, I'm still with you. You know, that's the thing that struck me. And, you know, we're going out 10 years now since my mom passed. So, you know, and each year, you know, I keep a journal and I keep a journal when I write, like, you know, when I have like m- dreams of my mom or she'll come in and she'll pop in, you know, some things. And one of the really funny things she did recently, you know, was my dad, he's 87 and he was fiddling with the fireplace. And then he comes in my office, which is in my home. And he He's got the pipe, the gas pipe thing. (laughs) And he's like, Stan, he goes, you know, the, the pipe broke. And I heard my mom really loud. Like she was sitting there next to me. She goes, your father jammed the shovel in there and broke it. And I, it flew out of my mouth. I said, mom just said you, you, you know, cause my dad does not, you know, he's, he's old school. He's like, no dead people don't talk to you unless you're a lunatic. And, um, I told him that I said, mom just said you shoved the shovel in there and you broke it off. And he turns really white. He's like, what do you mean your mother said that? I'm like, I don't know. That's just what mom said. And, um, you know, it was really funny because if you allow it, you know, and like I said, we're not doctors, we're not scientists, we're not spiritualists, we're not anything. We're just people who, who have experienced this. And when my mom comes in like that, so loud and clear, or like sometimes I'm driving in my car and the kids are in the car and there's the empty seat. And I'm like, sometimes it's really creepy. I'm like, are you sitting in that seat, mom? Like, are you driving with us? Because it's so loud. Like, and I don't know, like yeah. if your brother is loud, I mean, my mom was not a loud person. She could be loud if she wanted to, but she's really loud as a dead person. Well, I definitely intend to be very loud. I'm loud in this life. And I'm definitely, I have a list of people that I'm going to have uh, some, some notes about. Um, yeah, he's a very, my brother was a very quiet person too, but he makes his presence known, uh, you know, to me in, in moments. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's, that's him saying it, you know, you know, this is what you got to do. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, it is unusual. I, I think, I think what you said earlier about the love I just we don't leave love behind it's just always with you and it it I think that's we we find it more and more that if we I think focused more on love on, in every aspect of our lives we'd be a lot more peaceful um you know I find a lot of times my brother will come to me when I'm meditating um when we really really slow our bodies down and and stop, you know, worry about the next sale at the gap or, or, you know, what our kids' homeworks do. Um, and we really just sit even just for a moment. Um, that's when, um, I find is the moments where, you know, he kind of comes to me and says, you know, whatever the message is. Um, but yeah, it, it's challenging because like there is an old school, um, mantra that, you know, the, you know, the, that if people are talking to you, we might need to, to get you checked in with a nice white jacket. Um, but I, I think it's just all, all the messages, um, that, you know, either we need to hear or are coming from that love that that was with us when, when they were here with us, um, during our time. And I try not to be sad. I try to be come from a, a point of gratitude, um, that, um, we had them in our lives, whatever lessons we're supposed to learn from them um, are going to take us, you know, until it's our turn um, and to be grateful for that time, um, whether it's, you know, a few short moments or many, many years. um, You know, I think that's the real lesson is to be grateful for the people who come into your world. Um, I think sometimes we lose sight of that as we, you know, go through this hurried time, which is slowed down a lot. Um, And I think, I don't, I think, some positive things will come from COVID. There's a lot more time spent with our families, a lot more courageous conversations that are, are being had, um, you know, and um, you people rethinking what's really, what they're prioritizing. Um, you know. And I'm going to say, like, I don't, I think like, you know, in, in, in Judy Brizantine's book on grief, you know, helps support me in this thing. If you feel sad, feel fully sad. Like, you know, when you say, I try not to be sad, you know, feel fully sad. If you need to close the door, have a good cry and then come out. Cause what I find is that if I stuff down, granted, I'm a big cry baby, but you know, (laughs) if I stuff down these emotions, they're going to come out later. So I, I have periods of like, I have a couple movies that I'll watch that always unglue me and help me release, you know, those things. But I think part of the healing process is sitting fully with that fear. Cause if you try to sit and be really afraid, 
you can't be like really afraid for more than a couple minutes. You can't be really sad. Like when you fully, like you're really sad and you're really grieving, like it's, it spends, it's like a wave that comes through and it builds up and it rises. And then you're like, cry, 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 cry. Oh my God, I'm crying, crying, crying. And then you're like, <gasps> you know, like it, it passes through. And so Absolutely. when you fully feel these things, like not to be a crybaby everywhere you go, but to have moments like that, where you let these things go, I think it's necessary for all the sadness to pass through you before the peace can come in. Yeah, I mean, um, you've spoken about several books that you, um, uh, you know, worked with. Um, one of the books that I was very helpful is um, Megan, um, Megan Devine, I believe her name is, and it's, uh, it's okay not to be okay. And that was like a real eye opener, like, you know, every, everybody wants to, you know, like, they'll always say, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? And sometimes you just, it's okay not to be okay. And to move through that process. And there's definitely days where I fully embrace, like, this is going to, you know, it's going to be a rough day today and this, you know, embrace it. Um, And that's okay too. Um, You know, it's funny how you've been emulating how you're crying and it's that is that it's I feel like um there's another book um it was surviving the loss of a sibling and one of the first few pages is is the the person uh was talking about how that when the moment that she lost her brother um was that she couldn't breathe yeah and I and I literally, my other brother was yelling at me at the hospital elevator. Like, if you don't start breathing, you're going to pass out and then you're going to be in the hospital. So I've had to learn to learn how to rebreathe in life without my, my other brother. And that's okay. It's just a relearning of, you know, and a reset of how, you know, you know, to, to breathe without him. Um, But I still need to, to, to live, um, you know, fully and experience all those emotions fully um, because that is, you're absolutely a thousand percent correct. That is the way you heal. Um, It's like, if you, if you had a broken leg and I kept on making you get up without heat, without setting it or without doing anything, and I kept on making you get up and walk across the room, it'll eventually heal, but it's going to, it's going to be pretty ugly. And And that pain is always going to be exactly. It's just, it's, and it's more excruciating as opposed to, sitting with it and you know doing all the work that you need to do a lot of the time the fear is of healing is doing the work because when you are broken and you break something like your leg there's so much work that needs to be done to to get you back to be healed the having surgery on your leg the physical therapy every day to make your muscles stronger again that's really sometimes the fear i think of doing the work to, to get you through the healing process. And that, that's sometimes well, yeah, because weird. you're tired, you know, let's be honest. Like when your brother, your brother was sick for three years, my, my mother was sick for five years. When I, when Judy told me like, you have to sit with your grief, you have to work through it. You have to journal. I was like, are you flipping kidding me? Like <laughs> I'm tired. I just went through a five-year battle and I love my mom, but she got to die. <laughs> like I'm still alive. I got two kids to raise. Like not, you know, like I make these little death jokes because I know my mom would appreciate them. So I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but I make my little death jokes, but you know, when you're grieving, you're exhausted. Like, absolutely. So tiring. Like, sometimes I would get up, you know, like, I'm like, Oh, God, I've got to feed my children. I've got to get one to daycare. I got to get one to preschool. And then I have to do my work. And I'm like, Oh, I just want to like, like, you know, just lay down and die. Yeah, well, you walk through the beginning parts, I think a lot like a zombie, you just kind of just do what has to be done, or what's like bare minimum. And then you can get to a place where you're like, okay, I can do more today, or I I can do something different. Um, But yeah, journaling is an excellent um, avenue. Um, That that's great. Um, release you know sometimes that's harder for people um, well, and to I go want to share like what my journaling was like because I think like I had a big misconception on journaling to me journaling looks like those YouTube videos where they open the book and the music <laughs> plays and then you write in your handwriting so beautiful and it's cursive and you've got wonderful pens mine was not like that sometimes it was a napkin sometimes it was the back of an envelope and it was 
filled with expletives. It was like, how am I effing gonna do this? Effing that my husband's an effing, you know, and there was probably two or three journals that I bought and I went to TJ Maxx, got them on sale for like nine bucks or four bucks because I knew what I was going to do with them. The pages, Mary, it was like, I, you could see the F word, like 30 pages deep. I feel like that's not how the beginning of Little Women started. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then I would rip the cover off it and I would, I wouldn't use people's names. Like my ex-husband was just the first initial. His affair partner was the first initial. <laughs> my mother was the first initial M for mom. Cause you know, like you said, even though somebody dies, it doesn't obscure the things that they did that hurt you or upset you, you know, and that's, that's part of the healing process is to grieve the whole person and let some of this stuff go. But I would literally rip the cover off. So it had no like ability to be traced to me. And then I would throw the cover in my trash can Then I would drive the cover with me to the grocery store, find some random garbage can to throw it in. Not that anybody could read my psycho handwriting. Cause I'm crying the whole time. It's like, it's going up. Sounds very head. cathartic. I mean, like you really put a lot of energy into the, making sure that was not, well, was not I coming wrote, back to you. I wrote my truth at the time. Like I was ripping mad at my ex-husband for getting up and walking out on me with two little toddlers. I was ripping mad that my mom died. It wasn't her fault, but I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to raise these kids? I was ripping mad that my ex-husband got, you know, the company in our divorce, I got the new company I formed and my company wasn't making any money. I'm like, what? Like, you know, one of the uncomfortable conversations that people have with death and with dying is what do you do with the anger? You know, like I was angry at the judge. I was angry at the doctors. I was angry at the pharmaceutical companies. Like I was angry that the doctor irradiated my mom's brain when I didn't think she should have it irradiated because I knew from other friends that once you irradiate the brain, you lose the sense of smell, the sense of taste. You can't focus. You got buzzing in your ears. So my mom had like three months of living in that hell of a body because some doctor zapped the brain. Now, Am I thankful for the medical community? Absolutely. But I had a lot of feelings about, you don't just lose a family member in a hospital after a long-term illness and go, thank you, nurses. Thank you, doctors. Thank you for this. Like the freaking morphine pump broke the last week of my mom's life. And she was in extreme pain till they got the new morphine pump. Now, was I glad that they got the new pump there? It only took a day. But the fact was my mother suffered extreme pain and discomfort. Anguish, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and all these are, are mixed in there, like some sort of like matzo ball in an Easter basket is how I put it, you know? like they're just they don't seem to go together but they do absolutely anger is like the first emotion that you just you probably you identify after in between the crying I mean you you I mean you know when someone hurts you you know we have this visceral reaction to to get angry of course no if I slapped you across the face first you'd be you're shocked and then you're crying that hurt and then you're like Hell no, lady! I'm gonna come back at you. Right, and let's we, go, kind Mary. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, but it's you know you you have to. I think you 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 find a lack of a better word. Victims, the medical community is easily. If you did this, if you did that, if if you got if you didn't do the procedure, if you did do the procedure, it's easy to find scapegoats. Um, but you know, I think a lot of the times you know, we're, we we could be angry at the loved one that passed because of past traumas, or in my case, you know, my family was incredibly angry with my brother. Um, He, he didn't do the preventative care that he needed for, uh, you know, his diagnosis. He was six for six months with symptoms and then chose just, you know, not to do the preventative care that we know is so valuable. Um, And then, you know, I think he was angry with himself by the time he got a diagnosis that maybe it would have changed things, but then maybe it wouldn't. 
You know, my mom did the whole preventative route. She had, you know, and she had a mammogram done that the rate, the doctor said she was fine, but the radiologist is like, yeah, you know, and she's just the radiology tech. And she's like, I, I would have that checked out. I don't care that your doctor said it's okay. You know, cause we were small town, everybody talked yeah. mm-hmm. and sure enough. So she's like three months later, she goes in by that time it had metastasized. So, you know, she did everything right. Even though your brother didn't do everything right. It's still no guarantee, but yeah, everybody's mad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and every, you know, everybody, you know, that you could be, and then you find, you know, yourself mad at things. You're mad. There's no bananas. You're, you're mad. You're mad that like, again, you, 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 why didn't we listen to the radiologist? Why would, why did the radiologist say that? Like you, 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 you have to settle with it that you have to let go of that anger in order to begin the process. Because I think anger is, you know, that, that old adage of being angry at somebody, um, you know, is, is really, it's like, you know, you know, giving somebody, you know, you drinking the poison and expecting the other person to feel the effects. Right. Um, you just wind up diluting your, your healing process. Um, and while you have to, to say, and it's your point, it's like, you know, what would have made, it would have made a change. What would, you know, it was it just their time. Um, I spoke earlier about my father who passed, um, when we were nine, my dad broke his neck in seven different places in a swimming pool accident. And, and um, you know, he fully recovered from that accident. It was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy, crazy accident. Um, you know, not anybody's fault. It was just, he slipped off a ladder. And, um, you know, I said, you know, we were very fortunate at age nine, I could have lost my dad. Um, that would have been, you know, completely changed our lives. And, you know, we, we wound up, you know, with, you know, 29, 20, 20 more years of with him to be recovered and to share my wedding day and, you know, a lot of other great memories that our family had. Um, and then when he died of a heart attack, I said, you know, I think, you know, we can't be, we can't be greedy. He, he had, he almost got that second chance and, you know, that that was his time to go. He had to go. Um, everybody kind of like, when you speak about movies that take me to a raw moment, it, it's, weird movies for me like ghost I feel a lot of that I, I really do feel like when it, it's your time it's your time and um you know people get you know um wrapped up in a lot of um you know dogma and this is the way it's supposed to be and I think everybody identifies with um you know certain um movies and and ways they think it is and I, and I definitely do think there's the light, you know, above us and the, there's people that watch over us. And, um, you know, I think definitely there's a time you, you're, you're only allotted a lot of time here. Um, and we unfortunately don't know how much time that is. Right. And I think if we, if, if we, if we knew, I, I don't know if we'd be a lot nicer to each other, but, um, I think, you know, I always say, don't ever say anything to somebody. Um, just, just remember that that could be their, their last time here with you. Yeah. Um, and just make sure that you always choose kindness because, um, you know, you wouldn't want to, that to be the, the, what, what you last said to them. Right. And if it is, then it is like, you know, so, you know, like we're just not, you know, we just, we're just not perfect. You know, like when my mom was dying, I was so mad at smokers. <laughs> I would be on the subway. I'd be you know, like, you know, somebody be smoking outside the, the, you know, and I'm like, cancer sick, cancer sick. You're going to die. Like, ah, you're taking that perfectly healthy body and putting a carcinogen in there. Like that was my go-to. I'm like, you know, I was so mad at like my mother-in-law, my ex-mother-in-law, who I love dearly, but she smoked her whole life. And I'm like, you know, I'm so mad at smokers because I couldn't be mad at the senselessness. Like, I don't know why my mom got sick and died. She was a nice person. She never hurt anybody. She was a, a good mom. You know, she was far from perfect, but you know, she wasn't like a serial killer that lives in prison till he's ninety. Like, you know, that's where you start like you know, your logic has to give way to faith and go, there's got to be some bigger plan, some bigger reason. And, you know, there were times, um, Mary, that I would get in, not arguments, but 
friends of mine would listen to my shows and they're like, how can you talk about that was your mother? Like that was the Holy spirit. Nope. That was God coming to comfort you. That was this. And they're all about these particulars. And then I would have some people write in going, well, you know, you talk about the afterlife, but my belief is when you're dead, you're dead. And when you're dead, you're dead. And I'm like, even if I'm wrong, Mary, like if at the end of my life, all of the stuff my mom said to me was a figment of my imagination. All of my journaling was just my creative mind. If we're dead, we're dead at the end. But all of these beliefs that I have that make me happy, make me a loving person, you know, help me deal with the harsh realities of death. Who's harmed by them? Like really who's harmed by me going, that was my mom telling me to brush my teeth, wash my face, pull back my hair and put your clothes on and just go out and have a good time. Who is harmed by that? No one. And that, that self-soothing and your faith and your beliefs that you have um, are, you know, are the most, you know, self-love and self-care is the most, you know, the most important thing. Um, and if that helps you, you know, move through the process, um, then, you know, that's really the most important. Um, our abilities to self-soothe, you know, begin at birth. Um, you know, when you're crying and you, you know, kind of figure out, you know, like whether it's a security blanket or your, you, you know, your mom's voice or whatever it is, um, you know, I think that's wired into us, you know, probably from, 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 the moment we get outside of the womb um, on how to self-soothe. And I think um, that's, you know, a huge part of the grief process is to self-soothe us. And a lot of times, uh, you know, there's challenges with that. Um, people choose the path of addiction. They choose the path of, you know, that um, smoking, like you said before, whatever it is, um, those, <laughs> those paths, you know, sometimes aren't the best for us and it takes us off the, the healing path. But um I think, you know, we, we need definitely need self-care and, and self-love um, because th that that's critical to the healing process. Absolutely. You know, and there's smokers that far outlived my mom. I was just using that as my complete irrationality. Like grief can be very irrational. Totally. You know, and, and it's great. You know, I'm so glad that we have these conversations, Mary, because I really think the more we talk about them, the more we can recognize what's going on with us, because nobody's going to go through this life without grieving at some time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a challenge. Um, we are all affected by grief. Um, and I think, I think now more than ever, I think there's more resources, not only podcasts or books or just social media um, pages that, you know, really help people align and find people with um, like experiences. Um, that was something that was very helpful to me. I joined a sibling loss support group um, and that's been helpful. Um, and while their experiences might be different of how they lost their sibling, um, to have those type of, you know, co conversations with, I feel this, or I'm watching my parents grieve, or, um, you know, I'm watching my mom change. Um, you know, that's important to find resources to help, uh, you know, us move through the grief, you know, process. Um, and I think now more than ever, I mean, obviously, at the beginning of our conversation, like I said, um, President Biden, you know, spoke about his experience. Um, and that just shows how far um, our society's come about speaking about, you know, lost. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can people find out more about your charity? Um, you're welcome to visit us online um, at www.fearlesswarriorfoundation.com. Uh, um, and that's a foundation that was set up uh, in memory of my brother um, and all the things that he stood for and uh, how we help uh, support the community uh, in a variety of different ways. Love that. Love that. Fearless Warrior Foundation, Mary Monahan. I'm so glad that you came to thank you. With me today. I know we're going to do many more shows together. So uh, <laughs> thank you for being here today. Thank you. And what's your brother's name? Uh, Bill Tui. Okay, so Bill Tui and Gloria Beck are very much with us today <laughs> on the show. So we would dedicate the show to them. And they're like, oh, 
you know, we're so happy, but you know, um, have the tough conversations, talk to your friends. If you can't talk to your friends, talk to a counselor. If your friends are not receptive or your family's not receptive, keep reaching out because you will find people that you can talk to. Look at these grief books that we talked about. You know, they're very, very helpful and be kind to yourself when you're grieving. It's a big deal and you just don't get over it quickly. And the expectation of you or anyone else getting it getting over it on some certain timeline is just a joke. So um, we wish you well. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.